And so, Father, I just pray this morning that you would help us to understand what great things we have in Christ to a greater and more wonderful degree. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want us to see just for a moment about this idea of increasing in, in peace. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of keen on that idea. I'd like to have more peace and less stress. As a matter of fact, I'd like to have absolute peace and no stress. I don't know if that ever happened in this world, but sure would like to move toward that target. Uh, but this thing about increase, how do we do that? What's Peter say? First of all, he gives us some things about how we can increase in faith. Uh, the first thing he sh- I think he really points out or, or um, shares with us is the fact that it has to do with the pursuit of God. In other words, if we're not pursuing God, then we can forget about peace. If we're pursuing anything else than God, then there's going to be that absence of real genuine peace in our life. Now, look, every human being on this earth is pursuing something. I mean, we as human beings have a craving for things and stuff. And we're all going after something. The real issue is, and what really determines or reflective of our peace, is what are we going after? Are we really pursuing a real deep, vital relationship with Jesus Christ? Because you see, if we're pursuing anything else other than the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're pursuing something that's uncertain. We're certainly pursuing things that are unfulfilling. And we really are looking toward things that are unrewarded apart from pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Peter reminds us of that very thing. Listen to what he says in verse 2. Uh, he says in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you. How does he say that happens? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So what's Peter saying? He's talking about that pursuit of God. That we're going to have peace multiplied. And, and I really love the idea of him talking about multiplication versus addition. Right? Because when you use multiplication, you get a lot more a lot faster. And and so Peter's talking about that very thing. He says peace can be multiplied to us as we pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how do we pursue Him? Or what are some maybe elements or ideas about that pursuit? One of those things is is that we should be pursuing God precisely. In other words, it must be the true and the living God. You see, in the world today and in Peter's day, there were all kinds of gods. I mean, he lived in a time where there, there was a, a pantheon of gods. Uh, the Romans had their list of gods and how they perceived them. And Greeks had their list uh, of gods as well. And so they were all pursuing some kind of god, some kind of religion. Uh, but, but Peter is focused on the true and the living God. And, our, and if our pursuit is in any other thing but him, then it's going to be uh, a failing challenge or proposition. Peter lived in that world of those different gods. You know, there's a a lot of religion in the world today, but religion doesn't produce peace. You see, as a matter of fact, for the most part, religion produces the opposite of peace, if it's religion that we're after. In other words, if we're pursuing a, a list or a code or an idea or a set of rules and things like that, trying to live up to some kind of standard, 
And what we're going to find out is we're going to, a lot of times we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be frustrated because of the impossibility for you and I to live a perfect life. And we're going to get frustrated. I can't tell you how many people that I've met over the years that said, Brother Mike, I can't live the Christian life myself. I said, hallelujah. You've come to a breakthrough. Because you're right. You can't live the Christian life by yourself. Because God never decided or determined it to be that way. It's always been through Him, through His strength, through an understanding and a growing relationship with Him that gives us the capacity to be able to live for Him. It's about Him. If it were about you and I living a Christian life, it would be about us. But our life here on this earth for His glory is about Him. And He wants us to give Him the maximum amount of glory through our lives. And the way that we can do that is dependence on Him. Trusting Him. Trusting His Word. And so Peter reminds us, we better be following the true and living God. Not a religion. Not an organization. Not a false God, certainly. But the true and living God. We better be focused on who He is. Peace happens when we... Begin to pursue God. Now, listen. How do we know that we're following the true and the living God? Well, we have uh, a revelation from Him. Uh, We have His Word. Uh, God describes Himself in His Word. God reveals Himself in His Word. Uh, God gives us understanding about how we relate to Him, how we need Him in His Word. And so apart from His Word and Scripture, then this pursuit of our peace is is going to miss the mark as well. So, God reveals Himself. In other words, we accept God as He shows Himself to us. Not any other way. We don't add to who God is, and we don't take away from who He is, but as He reveals Himself. Do you realize if you ask a whole lot of people in, in America today, you know, what's your ideas about God? You'll be amazed at all the mismatched answers according to Scripture that you'll get from any given person. And generally speaking, most of their concepts about God are what they're really thinking in their own mind. It's really a kind of God that they want to have to be in charge of their life, to rule over them. That's why when you ask as was in a recent survey about how many people believe that Jesus was sinless. And in America today, you only get about a 50% response that says, yeah, he was sinless. Why? Because they'd really rather worship a God that wasn't perfect. That was more like them than more like him. We don't worship a God like that. We worship a God as how he reveals himself to us. How he shows himself in his word, in his creation, in his power, his workings in this world today. That's who we worship. We accept him for who he is, not who we want him to be. And we believe that. And if we do that, then we're pursuing God in the right way, uh, precisely. Peter goes on in, in verse 2, and he really kind of talks about pursuing God passionately. He says, our God, right? He's identifying with God personally and passionately. And so he sees himself as going after God in a personal way. The only way I know how to pursue something passionately is with all our hearts, right? 
I, I mean, with, with, with all that's within us. The psalmist says this, Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with all their heart. So to pursue God passionately is not to hold back. It's to go after Him with all of our heart, all of our loyalty, all of our affection, all of our devotion. To love Him passionately and to want Him to be the main thing in our lives. Now, you guys know what that is. I would guarantee you that at some point in your life, at some time, I don't know how long the period might have been or, or how long ago it was or when it is, but there was one time probably in your life that there was something that you wanted so bad you could not understand. I mean, as a kid, it may have been a new bike. I don't know. As a young man or a young woman, it may have been a relationship with another, somebody that's caught your eye. I don't know. Uh, it may have been a education. Be, I don't know, but you wanted it so bad you could just taste it. And what did you do about that? You went after it. You had courage. You had desire. You had hope about how it would all turn out. You see, that's how God wants us to pursue Him with all of our heart. Not, not having restrictions or barriers or limits or fears or anything like that, but to pursue Him with all that we are. And when we do that in that pursuit, you know what we're going to find is a byproduct of it? Peace. Peace. <laughs> Listen, when we're pursuing God, it's like a shelter. And God reigns in our life in peace. I mean, there's just something that's great about pursuing Him with all of our heart. It's irreplaceable. Something else I know also about pursuing Him is not only with all, with all of our heart, but also with all of our mind. With, with all of our mind. Paul says this. He says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. She might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul says that that pursuit of God transforms the way that we think. And listen, the way that we think really determines the level of peace that we live in. It's kind of funny how all this stuff works together, isn't it? That going after God changes all these things that sets us in a place where we can have real peace. You know, as you pray for our nation, we can pray for peace. Well, I'll tell you what, let's pray that they'll follow Jesus, <laughs> that they'll go after Him, that they'll pursue God and pursue Him, Him passionately because that's where we're going to find peace. And the, and the last thing about this pursuing of God is pursuing God purposefully. That, you know, there's, there's a reason that we do that. And, and Peter kind of alludes to that. He says at the end of verse 2, he says, that, that the, the knowledge of God and of, our, and of Jesus Christ, and he didn't just tag this on there for good measure, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our Lord. There, there's a purpose behind uh, pursuing God is, is with the intent of submitting to Him as Lord. That we follow after Jesus for the very purpose of knowing Him, 
to know how we can better surrender and serve Him. To, to know how that we can accept Him and affirm Him in our lives as the true Lord of our lives. And so there's a reason behind what we do. Is to pursue Him with the idea of obeying Him, of submitting to Him, and of living out His will with intent in our lives every day. Isn't that great? Think about that. How many people run around the, the, the earth today that, that, that you look at and say, boy, you know, I wonder if they understand what their purpose is in life. <laughs> I, I've seen, let me tell you, I, I tell, I, last week, Jake and I saw a whole lot of people that I'm really convinced that they don't know why they're here. That they don't have a clue. Else they couldn't... I'm just going to stop there. And so... To follow Jesus Christ is to do it with intent. To know that He's Lord. And that we submit to Him as Lord. So we pursue God. When we pursue God, then all of a sudden, we find peace. Another thing that Peter says about finding peace is not just pursuing God, but if you look on a little bit further, he gives us another reason. And he talks about the power of God. Uh, that there's help for our pursuit. Uh, and, and for all these things. And it's the power of God. And Peter calls us to rest or practice resting in the power of God. Have you experienced that before? You know, maybe there's been a time where you don't always get it right, but you have a few times and it just felt so good. You ever had that happen? I mean, you're struggling along and all of a sudden you just find that sweet spot. And you're just saying, Lord, I'm tired of carrying this load and I'm, I, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, let you carry it for me and I'm going to rest in you and, and I'm going to trust you and all these kind of things. And all of a sudden, you're just overwhelmed with refreshment. A sense of that burden being just unloaded. And now, all of a sudden, you just feel renewed. Nothing physical happened. It all happened because you put that trust in God and in His power. What does Peter say about that in verse 3? Look with me just for a moment about God's power. Why should we do that? Or how can we be confident in doing that very thing? Well, one thing that Peter reveals that his, it, it, he's talking about His, God's sufficient power. That, that God's power is able. He says that He has given us all things. <laughs> He doesn't say just some things, but he says all things. So Peter's reminding us that in the power of God, there's all sufficiency. In other words, he is able to do all things for all of our needs all the time that we have those needs. It's sufficient. We can trust it. Now, sometimes you and I are skeptical about trusting things, especially if we hadn't tested those things, right? I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to get on that or not. Have you ever done that? Or I don't know if I'm going to, you you know, do that or not. I'm not familiar with it, Um, you know. And so we're skeptical about sometimes trusting. But the thing about the power of God is that it has a track record of being 100% perfect. Perfect. God has never failed us. He's never left us. He's never forsaken us. He's never 
not been there when we've needed him with a sufficiency of power and resources to give us what we need. It doesn't matter what you're going through in life, what you have been. Listen, if we could have a testimony from, from those who've gone on to be with the Lord, they'll tell you even up to the very moment that I stepped from earth into heaven, if we could hear that testimony today, that God was there and His power was sufficient. Because it is. Uh, and it, He's proven it to be. And so we ought to take hope and rest in His power. What happens when we trust His sufficient power? Peace. Peace. The assurance that we're not going to be lacking and we're not going to come up short. No matter what it is. Uh, Peter says, as His divine power has given us all things. All things. You see, it's divine power. It's power from God. It's not human power or institutional power or governmental power or any of those kind of things. It's not power derived from man or man's intellect. But it's godly power. That's what's sufficient. We can't trust in ourselves. You guys know as well as I do. We can make a mess out of anything. Even if it's perfect, we can make it. Adam and Eve did that, didn't they? They took a perfect garden and made a mess out of it. And so... We do that too, and so we have to trust the divine power because it's sufficient. He goes on to say, not only about God's power is it a sufficient power, but he says it's his sustaining power that's important. He says that he has given us, uh, given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Life and God. What is, what is there apart? Let me ask you that. What is there apart from life and godliness? Well, I mean, I guess there's ungodliness, but... I guess that's part of life, but life and godliness. That's it. So Peter is, he, he gives us the scope of God's power. It, it's good for everything. Living your life today. That's what I love so much about Christianity. Because you see, Christianity isn't just a, 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 the fact that we get saved and then all we have uh, to be thankful for is that one day when we die, we'll go to heaven. That's not Christianity. It's part of it, but it's not all of it. Because the, the fullness of our faith and walk and relationship with Jesus Christ begins the moment we're saved and it continues throughout all of our life here on earth and then when we get to heaven throughout eternity. So we have this great presence of Christ in us and that great power of our Lord Jesus Christ that sustains us in everything in life. Now that sustaining power of God comes in all kinds of shapes forms, fashion. Sometimes it comes through an understanding of our circumstances, right? That God gives us an understanding of what kind of mess our life's in. That's how I came to Norm's personal Savior. He kept showing me over and over how I'd mess things up and how, how bad off I was and how much I needed Him as my Lord and Savior. And then He's, he's done that on numerous other occasions as well. But He gives us understanding. He, he gives us courage. I mean, listen, I, I've faced times in my life when I really did not think that I could take one more step forward. I thought, I'm, I'm finished. I'm just going to sit down here and wait for Him to come and get me. Never been like that before. But yet, what does God do? He lifts you up, doesn't He? He stands you up. He strengthens you up and He sends you on. That may take a moment to do that. 
But God will always do that. He's faithful to sustain us by His power. And that's His sustaining power. Well, Peter goes to one other thing about His power is that it's sanctifying power. What does he say at the end of verse 3? He says, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. He called us. What's that calling for? It's to separate us. Uh, and, and He uses a couple of descriptive words, glory and virtue. Glory and virtue. All those are, are, are references to the character of God. So what is Peter saying? That God has called us by His power to be set apart for His glory. And to demonstrate His virtue in this world today. So when I begin to read that, all of a sudden immediately I begin to thank God. Thank you for giving me a purpose. Thank you for giving me a reason for being. Because without you, I didn't understand what that was. Now I do. And that in itself is a measure of peace. It's knowing why we're here. Knowing that there's something bigger than us that we're a part of gives me a lot of peace. Especially in how confusing the world is today. And so, Peter references not only the pursuit of God that brings peace, but he says something about the power of God. Let me give you the last thing that he says in verse 4. He references the promises of God. I want to tell you why. This is where I really go off. I love the promises of God. This book is a book of promise. And because it's a book of promise, not only is it a book of promise, but it's a book of promise that we can trust. It's one thing to have somebody promise us something, but we're not sure they can deliver. It's something else to have someone to promise us things that we know absolutely can deliver. It's a book of promises, and because it is, it becomes a book of hope. And so Peter references the promises of God. Listen to what he says. By which we have been given us. Here it is. Exceedingly great and precious promises. You know, I'm, I'm really glad that Peter didn't just say, and we've been given promises. But he qualified the promises that we've been given. He says these promises are exceedingly great and they're precious. How amazing is that? They're, they're precious. You know, I, I did a little search in the Bible about the word precious. I, I want to see what it's all about. A whole lot of precious in the Bible that is about gold, silver, and precious stones <laughs> are precious. But you know, Listen to some of the things that the Bible talks about being precious. Servants of God are precious. Life is precious. Wisdom is precious. His thoughts toward us, the Scripture says, is precious. Believers are precious. Peter says back up in verse 1, faith is precious. God says that He Himself is precious. He says His blood is precious. And here Peter says his promises are precious. Now think about how important that is. That they're precious. You see, our struggles reveal the value of his promises. When you think about that, just for a minute. That our struggles 
really highlight how valuable His promises are. Because in every believer's struggle, God has a promise. If you're here this morning and you're fearful, God has a promise. If you're here this morning and you're discouraged, God has a promise. If you're here this morning and you're angry and you're hurt and you're broken hearted, God has a promise. Everything that we face, God has a promise for us. And so our struggles reveal the value of His promises. His promises become our foundation. What we stand on when we're afraid. What we stand on when we're discouraged. His promises become our fortress. I can't tell you how many times that I've curled up inside the promises of God and found refuge in the storm. I mean, it's so bad. God, just, just surround me in this promise. In Your Word, I'm claiming it today. And I'm going to stand on it. His promises become our, our friend in a time when we feel disconnected, unloved, uncared about. His promises really become our future because wrapped up in those promises of hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Things are going to change and it's going to be different. And so he says that they're precious. He says that we're partners together with God in these promises. He says that, uh, that through these, in other words, through these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature. In other words, through the promises of God, we're connected to Him. That we have a, a connection with God that, that happens because of the things that God has committed Himself to do for us on our behalf. Connected. That's pretty amazing. And that, let me just say to you, that connection is inseparable. I'm going to tell you what, you, you might be able to go home and unplug the fan. I'll tell you what, if you're a believer, you can't go home and unplug the Holy Spirit and the power and the promises of God. Whether you accept them or whether you believe them or whether you trust them in certain situations, doesn't matter they Action. We're partners, believing and living those promises that connect us to Lord Jesus Christ. Well, so what does all this bring us to? It brings us to peace. Not just peace that's added to our life. Peter says peace that's multiplied in our life. This morning... You're excited about increasing your peace today. And it's really about pursuing Jesus, His power and His promises. Bow with me if you will, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You today that no matter the circumstances, Trials and tribulations, persecutions, no matter what they are, 
that we have or can have a great peace in our lives. Lord, thank you for being the source of that peace today. Thank you that as we look to you, trust you, rest in you, that we can find a peace in a world today that's in turmoil, that's afraid, confused, discouraged, that you truly are the Prince of Peace. So Lord, we just thank you for that today. Help us to enjoy your peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to invite you this morning to stand as we stand together. Adam's here. We're going to sing a verse or so of invitation. Maybe the last few months, that peace that Scripture talks about has kind of gotten away from you or escaped from you. Maybe time this morning that you just come and just in simple trust in Jesus Christ and say, Lord, give me your peace. <laughs> give me your peace. That's a prayer we can pray pretty much any time, isn't it? Uh, here this morning or maybe tomorrow, maybe Tuesday morning. Lord, I need some peace. You know, that peace doesn't have to come to us necessarily in solitude. It can come in the busiest of times in our life. We can be overwhelmed or overcome by the peace of God. But I've come to understand that we, we need to ask. James says you have not because you ask not. Maybe our peace is missing because we just haven't asked God. Maybe you're here today and you don't have the peace of God because you don't, you don't know Him as your personal Savior. Until you make that step of faith and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Turn from your sin, put your faith in Jesus Christ. Then the hope of peace will always escape you. Because without Him, it's impossible. Maybe this morning you just want to come and say, Hey, Brother Mike, will you tell me how I can know Jesus is my Savior? There's no, nothing more this morning I'd love to do than share with you how you can be saved. We're going to sing. Maybe it's somebody else you want to pray for. Maybe you want to come and pray for our nation. Well, certainly we need as America today. We need prayers for our nation today. You can come this morning to this altar, pray for America. Whatever need it is, I just want to encourage you. As God leads you, then pursue Him for that peace this morning.